I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about wellness, fitness, Frenchism, and lifestyle, a Trey fucking chic gangster podcast. Hosted by fitness and wellness French hedonism guru and creator of The Method, The Body, yours truly, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monte Carlo, Monaco. On this show, you'll find a mix of audio entertainment, including listener and audience questions answered about health wellness, lifestyle, family, and relationships, and my French holistic tips to be healthy, have your best body, and transform both your body and your mindset into the happiest ever, as well as living la belle vie lifestyle like a chic French gangster. Hello and welcome to Pardon My French podcast, episode 4. I am your host, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from beautiful Monaco. Today is a special show because I will be joined by my husband and best friend and soulmate, Gilles, um, and we will be talking about relationships, a second chance at love, um, everything that has to do with how men thing and I also will be touching onto the very subject of how men really like our bodies as opposed to how women like each other's bodies and that might be enlightening as per how much you should love your own body type believe it or not they don't like skinny skinny as much as we do Before we jump into our conversation with Gilles and grill him about his hundreds of thousands of ex-girlfriends, I definitely wanted to tap into a little bit of fitness, wellness, French tips, as I promised I would do on every single podcast. So there are a few burning subjects that you uh, all keep on asking me about. And as I said, I would answer to the best of my knowledge of course, always with a pinch of my opinion. Um, Everybody's been asking about cellulite. It's really a burning question and it's an eternal subject of buying creams and trying all types of different treatments and lasers uh, and lymphatic massages to make cellulite go away. But really, what is cellulite when it comes to being a fitness professional and having clients that come and want to build muscle thinking that cellulite will just vanish to make way to beautiful muscle tone. But cellulite. Cellulite is not necessarily something that workout working out can take care of. Um, there's a lot of th- stuff that you eat that can cause cellulite. And it's not just seeing it as a fat deposit from eating all types of fat food. But there are certain fatty foods that you're eating and sugars that are big cellulite busting no-nos. So you want to be careful with sweets and you want to be careful with unhealthy fats. But for example, um, oily fish such as salmon and mackerel 
can actually help smooth things out. The fatty acids that it contains helps your body to metabolize fat, included, including that of cellulite. So knowing that, of course, cellulite can and will go away. But before I speak about that, please realize that 90% of women are affected by cellulite. I even have some. Everybody's got some. And that's what makes us human and not wax dolls. So what you want to do when you say, I want to get rid of my cellulite, first of all, you need to be realistic and take it easy on yourself first and realize that a lot of people have cellulite, me included, and the next supermodel. You know, uh, when I worked in the fashion industry, often before fashion shows, we used to um, to put a preparation H on the model's butts and legs, so the appearance of cellulite will be would be lifted uh, lifted by you know the prescription um, that's that takes away the swelling in preparation age. So you need to be realistic and you need to stop looking at all those pictures on Instagram knowing that they're smoothed out. I'm guilty of this. I sometimes smooth out my pictures when I feel like there's too much blotchiness even on the background, not just on my body. So, you know, you can be skinny and have cellulite. It's not limited to people who are overweight or have excess body fat. Very often, that would mean that you need to tone your body. And this is where fitness choices come in. Because you need to know that if you're going to do high density, high impact workouts, you're going to go hit the pavement by running, thinking that cardio is going to get rid of fats. You also need to know that the damage, the micro damage that you're creating around the muscles also builds up water around the muscle. And that's what makes bulky muscles. So while a lot of bodybuilders actually are looking for that pretty bulk, you need to know that if you're one of those people that is trying to fight cellulite with high impact and doing stupid intervals on a treadmill, you are probably making the problem worse than better because the micro damage you're creating by doing those types of exercises is actually building up more water retention around the cellulite you're trying to get rid of. And that's what makes you feel kind of bloated and bulkier than you want to be. You need to know that cellulite is also a question of hormones as well as is water retention. So when you are exercising and you feel like your, bo your body is bloating around your midsection or bloating around your thigh areas, those are areas that I like to call hormonal areas. It could be that it's from the choice of exercise that you've made because it's bringing your cortisol level up. And bringing your cortisol level up Noisy environment during exercise, like spinning classes. I've said this so many times before. Spinning classes, to me, bring my cortisol levels up. I know a lot of people do it for mental clarity and to, you know, work their nerves out. If they're working in a very stressful environment, going to run clears your mind and it's great for mental health. But for hormones, it's not always that great. It rises your cortisol level. So when you're going to do spinning classes, 
and the instructor has you know those headphones those mics that are screaming loud in your ears plus the pumping music that gives you the rhythm that makes your cortisol levels shoot through the roof and what happens is that that causes insulin resistance. Let me explain what happens with insulin resistance. Insulin is something that happens physiologically in your body. When you eat, you store fats in a specific reserve that is reserved for those fats to go into so you could burn fat for fuel. But when your cortisol levels rise up, you actually create a sort of line right above those reserves and you stop the insulin from going into the stored fat reserves where it would be burned so you create insulin resistance and instead of going into those reserves to be burned by your everyday activity instead it builds up and that's what becomes fat bloat and cellulite so sometimes even though you are working out like a mad woman or like a madman, you don't see the results you want and the cellulite is here to stay. And that's because you're not looking at the hormonal effects of your workout on you. The day that you link bloating, water retention and cellulite to hormones and you become more mindful of your adrenal glands and your thyroid and your cortisol levels, are that is the day that you will see the effects of those very hormones on your body diminish. It's very, very important to start looking at it from the outside going in. What I'm saying is we go and punish our bodies for the bad food that we ate. We go and work out as hard as we can, trying to flush that fat out of our bodies. But why not try to treat it in a way that where, why is this fat lodged in these areas in the first place? And that's where you start thinking of your hormones. So when you're trying to get rid of cellulite, I would say you need to look at a movement and an effort that is deep, deep, deep into your muscle tissues. Pilates will do that. Bar classes will do that. Swimming will do that. TRX will do that as well. Lifting light weights will do that. But the minute the weights are a little bit too much for you, like if you're a petite frame and you're lifting 10 pounds or 15 pounds, then the micro damage that you're creating in your muscles when you're building muscle, the, the micro damage is a normal, is a normal um, occurrence. But this micro damage of water building around the muscles, which you call muscle definition, but it's bulky and round muscle definition as opposed to dry muscle definition. These are the very same cells that the minute you stop the activity, the minute you regress in your diet, these very cells of water that have created the muscle while you created the micro damage turn into fat and that turns into cellulite. So that's why very often when you see a bodybuilder, someone whose pictures you look at back in the days when they were bodybuilders and when they stopped their activities, they became pudgy and fat. 
that's exactly what happened to them. It's all this water they've built around those muscles to be bulky and beautifully sculpted. They've become fat because they stopped their activity. And that's the aspect of the high intensity, high impact workouts um, and cardio workouts. That's why I often say you're better off going and doing a very, very tough workout on a mat where you're working your muscles so deeply, then you're creating what we call dry muscles. And those dry muscles are so deep that they're here to stay. And those dry muscles, those dry muscles will also avoid the water retention and the bloat that you feel from these other exercises that I just spoke about. So food for thought. This is not an opinion, it's a fact. Either you have dry muscles or you have bigger muscle, bulkier muscles. It's just a question of what you like. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm responding to the women that come to me and say, I don't understand. I work out five days a week and my muscles are bulky and my midsection is still thick and I feel bloated and I feel inflated with water. This is my response to the woman that comes and says this to me. If you want a dancer's body, if you want more of a Pilates body with the dry muscles, then you need to change the impact of your workout and the density of your workout. When you look at the method, for example, it looks also easy and fluid, but let me tell you, it is burning on the inside. It is not easy. Just try the teaser position. That's that V position that you see on a lot of my pictures. Try it. Just holding a towel in your hands and see how hard it is. So maybe think a little more French and think that quality of the workout as opposed to quantity and density is so much better. Like fast isn't always better either. So heavy is definitely not better. And hard is great but there's two kinds of hard there's hard on the body and hard on your hormones or there's hardcore hardcore muscles that you can work and work it in your core which is so deep and those are the permanent the ones that are the ones that are here to stay the bottom line is that when people ask me about cellulite, before you go get liposuction, there are so many things you can be doing. And I'm not talking about lasers and machines, even though some of these treatments are very effective. The problem with them is that they're very costly. And when you stop, because you're taking care of the area that's affected, but you're not taking care of the reason why that area is affected, the minute you stop the treatment, the cellulite comes back. So you're not really resolving the issue. You're just you're just flushing it away, like not even you're buffing it away for a little while. And this is going to cost you your shirt because that shit is so expensive. So I would say that if you feel affected by cellulite and you feel like your workouts are not taking care of it, we're usually building a long, lean, Deep muscle can usually smooth out part of the cellulite that you're trying to get rid of. If that's not doing it for you, then you need to be looking at the problem from within. You need to want to eliminate the source of the problem rather than just buff it away with treatments. So look at your hormones. 
look at the setting that you choose to get to take care of your body to exercise is it a quiet setting is it a setting that is soothing to you are you stressed going to the gym? Are you hating the smells of people sweating next to you and the noises of the machines? Are you stressed because you're afraid that the treadmill will not be available when you get there? And the bottom line is when you go do those stupid, stupid, stupid intervals on the treadmill and some people say, yeah, well, that's cardiovascular. Did you know that in France, there's no such word? The only time you hear cardiovascular is when you go to a cardiologist cardiovascular specialist that's a medical term for the heart since when have you all been that concerned about your heart the truth is you call cardio running like a chicken without a head and you're running to fucking nowhere other than rising your cortisol level that's where you're fucking running and that's why a lot of people that are running are not happy with their results because that's creating the the insulin resistance that i spoke about before it's pretty much creating a shield against your insulin going in the right reserve sacs where you would burn that fat for fuel. And so what does it do? It just stays at the surface and you see it in your midsection. There's this whole area in the woman's body, typically, that I call the hormonal section. So when a woman comes in and she looks like she's quite in shape and she's eating super healthy and she's working out, and she shows me those sections that it's like our midsection, the gut area. And she says she has a gut or she has the inner thighs that are inflated or, you know, like the, the hips, the muffin top. I know that's all hormones just from looking at it. And sometimes very skinny women suffer from that. I've been one of them. I used to get the muffin top love handles when I would wear my low-waisted jeans. And until I took care of my gut, of my gut health, I would have those. And until I made sure that my workout was not cortisol rising. Think a little bit more French. Think that the workout doesn't have to be excruciating and painful and violent for you to get results. Punishment is not the way. Nourishing, nurturing, soothing is the way. You can work your muscles so deep like do you mean to tell me that a dancer's body's muscles are not work deep they're the strongest muscles i've ever seen who else can carry themselves the way they do on their toes so you see and the movements are fluid and they're beautiful another food for thought and i always say that if you're going to go to cardio and Zumba and jumping and jumping rope and running on a treadmill while you do um, all those intervals and weird fast runs going to nowhere, you better be wearing like five sports bras because your boobs are going to fall to your ankles and maybe you have to pin your face up because you're going to get wrinkles. I know a lot of joggers, people that jog for mental health even, but they're avid joggers and all of them look older because their faces fell off because you're pretty much affecting the collagen rush to your face. So think about all that. You're fighting gravity when you're going to run like that. And on top of it, you're rising your cortisol levels. And on top of it, 
you're giving yourself a reason to eat, entitlement to eat, your ghrelin hormone, your hunger hormone is kind of like shouting, I need carbs, I need carbs. You arrive after that workout and you go, yeah, I worked out like a beast. I'm going to eat like a fucking beast. And that entitlement is not just a mental entitlement. It's a hormonal entitlement. When you do those workouts or you work with heavy, heavy weights on a petite frame or a smaller frame, you are co- you're, you're, you're creating such cortisol highs that you give no choice but for your adrenal glands to be inflammated and no choice that for your ghrelin hormones to feel inflammated and to want food and not the best food, usually carb-rich food. And it's very hard to reason with the ghrelin hormone, what I call the gremlin. I spoke about that in my previous episode. So for the questions about cellulite, I would say, Deal with the problem from within. It's definitely gut health. Inulin will help with that as well because inulin helps you clean up your gut, your gut flora. And so you're probably not storing the fats. So as I said, inulin can definitely help with that. And eating fatty acids, stop walking away from fatty acids. They're good for you. It's not because they have the word fat in them that they're not necessarily good for you. I want to talk also a little bit bit about water retention because it goes into the same category. Water retention is hormonal. Uh, You can help it. I've had so many questions about that. So um, there's one thing I believe in so much. If you have water retention and bloating, you need to look into two things. A lot of people believe you need to be drinking three liters or four liters of water a day. And I get the questions of all the time. How much water do you drink? Well, I don't know how much water I drink. Like, why would I measure how much water I drink? I don't like fucking measuring anything. Like I said, if I wanted to count it, shit, I'll be an accountant. So I drink when I drink. I drink when I feel thirsty. What is with all of these regulations and rules and water drinking challenges? Drink when you want to drink. Your body knows. What I've noticed, though, is that I wasn't a huge water drinker. And so I would push myself to drink a certain amount a day. I don't know how much, but I would say, okay, you know what? I need to be drinking now. Um, But since I'm having inulin, I find that my body is asking for more water. So that's my gut intuition as the expression says, that tells me, hey, it's time to drink water. But I don't rise my cortisol levels by putting a bottle of water in front of me and say, okay, bitch, now drink all this. My bladder doesn't like it. And I think that the kidneys can be quite overwhelmed with your water challenges. So, you know, the way to deal with your body that doesn't come with a handbook of how much water you've got to put into your kidneys and how much blood you've got to be pumping into your heart. I mean, come on, guys, we're, we're not, you know, coming from a factory. We're not manufactured with a handbook. Stop trying to, you know, put your organ functions on page one or 12 of the handbook. You're not a remote control. You know, why are you sending me messages asking me how much water I drink? I drink what I drink. I don't know. My mother didn't give me the handbook when she brought me into, you know, this earth. Like, oh, yeah, your body is going to need this much water and then put your batteries this way. Come on. 
intuition, intuition, intuition. That's very French, though. We drink when we drink. We drink when we're thirsty. We drink when we can, you know? And then the Americans, when I was in the States, it was always like these rules for everything. You've got to drink this much and you've got to eat this much and, you know, you've got to put this much grams of pasta on your plate. Uh, no, 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 no. What I can tell you is that one way that you should abide by rules is manners. Manners is a great rule to abide by. I, I abide to manners. If not, my mother would fucking slap the shit out of me when I was little. Like I had to have my, you know, napkin on my legs before the food was even served. So when I sit at the restaurant now, before I even touch the bread or drink water, before there's even food on the table, I will unfold my, you know, glass, my napkin and put it on my, on my laps. And then another thing is I had to have my forearms on the table because if not, she would threaten me and tell me that she would cut my arms since I don't need it and I hide it under the table. So you better believe I have my forearms on the table and I roll my shoulders back and push them down like you do um, when you do the spinal checkpoints, the postural checkpoints in the method. That's French mannerism for you, you know? And uh, I was not allowed to have my elbow on the table while I ate. And that's all great, actually. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it in perspective for you and explain why. So all of these manners, the French manners, table manners, are great rules to abide by. And they're good for your cortisol, too. Unlike your diet rules and your diet handbooks and steps. They're great because if you abide by the French table manners, your esophagus is going to be so much straighter when you digest. Your body won't be all bent out of shape. Your spinal alignment will be so great that your food will smoothly make its way down. So technically, if you're sitting at the tip of your chair, which I still do to this day, and I'm so thankful to my mother and to my Russian dance instructor for that, that you're not allowed to lay your back against the back of a chair when you sit at the table for, for a meal. You sit so straight with your forearms on the table and you use a knife and fork. You don't cut your meat or your fish with your fork like many do in the States. So using your fork and your knife, even to push your peas onto your, your, onto your fork, well, that has you standing so, sitting so straight. And so the digestion is so much smoother because your posture is straight. You're not all crooked and your digestive tract is not all like, you know, swirly and zigzaggy. So it goes smoothly down. So, you know, table manners. You want to abide by rules? That's one for you. But I don't know how many cups of water I drink during lunch. Like, who's counting? Count Water is free. I mean, we, we drink tap water here. The minerals in there, in, in our water is good. So it's free. Why do I have to like know how much of it I drink? You know? So yeah, table manners, small plates. What are you doing with those huge plates, filling them up with food? I speak about that all the time. 
I love all of the Instagram foodies that are putting all this food on their plates. You don't even know what the color of the plate is anymore. And so there's another thing about the size of the bites that you take. Like I eat pizza with a fork and knife. And yeah, people made fun of me when I lived in New York for doing that. But you know what? At least my ghrelin hormone knows I'm eating. It's recognizing that I'm taking time to cut pizza into pieces and putting it into my mouth. I eat pancakes and I eat waffles when I do because I don't eat them often. I take a small bite and I cut it with a fork and knife. The only thing that I eat with my hands is a sandwich. And still the sandwiches here, like a truffle croque monsieur, it's so flat and cute that you could literally, if you're in a nice restaurant, cut it and eat it with, with your fork and knife. And that is a great way of lowering your cortisol. I get so many messages from you guys about how can I lower my cortisol? That's a way. If you're eating pizza, trust me, if you're eating small bites and you're cutting your pizza, by the time you cut a small slice into pieces, you're so exhausted from that labor that you don't want another slice. But it's so easy to eat a full pie if you're eating it with your hands. So I would say that the difficulty, the aspect of difficulty from being so polite, eating your pizza with your fork and knife or your pancake with your fork and knife is definitely going to make it easier on your mental and on your hormones to say, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'll just have, have one slice. I'm done cutting that shit up in pieces and bringing it slowly to my mouth without bending over and getting my chin closer to my plate. So yeah, you see, eating like a French person and trying not to eat like a pig can actually make you skinnier and definitely calmer and cuter too. I hate watching people shoving a lot of food in their mouth. It's ugly. It's ugly, definitely ugly. But that's for another conversation. Sometimes we go to the restaurant and I like to see my kids kind of look at people and go, oh my gosh, this person is not French. Look how they're eating. And I'm like, oh, I did a good job. I taught them well. That's, that's where I love my mother's culture. God knows I used to hate her for that. Gosh, I got yelled at so many times at the table when I was little. Have your napkin on your lap. Get your elbows off the table. Put your hands on the table. Where's your knife? But you know what? She was right. I hate seeing people pushing food around with their fork without their knife. Or eating with their fork on one hand and the other hand is on their lap. And little did I know, she used to tell me all the time, if you don't put both of your forearms on the table, you will be fat. And I was like, is she drunk? Like, what's wrong with my mother? How does putting my forearms on the table make me fat? But she was right, because it turns out that if you're eating with your right hand, let's say you're a righty and you're eating with your right hand and you have your left hand on your lap, you're all crooked. Your esophagus is a zigzag. It's like a mountain road. And so your digestion becomes so slow and obstructed by your posture that your cortisol levels go up and that creates insulin resistance 
and that creates an inflated and inflammated midsection that makes you fat. My mom was right. The French woman was right. I've got to give it to her. I guess that's what makes the French what they are. They've got it figured out. And it looks nice. It really looks nice to have manners on top of it. So be a little bit more French. French eyes your life and your table manners. And also, you need to know that having seconds, having seconds is actually rude. So here, it's not that we don't ask for seconds because we're on a diet. It's because we don't want to be rude. Isn't that cool? I'll touch on one more subject before I go. Well, if not, this podcast is going to be so long. We don't want that. We don't want to bore you to death. Um, a lot of you have asked me, since I've spoken so much about cortisol, if you should get your cortisol levels tested or can you test your cortisol levels. And I will say this. Unless you feel you have a serious threatening health issue, don't test your cortisol levels. Yes, you can test them, but it's quite a complicated way to test it because you would need to test it morning, I think after lunch, and then afternoon. And that, just the testing alone, is cortisol rising. It's stressful. So you're going to bring your cortisol level up because the test is cortisol rising. It's stressful. And so you really will never have your results. But the bottom line is thinking about cortisol and lowering your cortisol levels for weight loss or weight control or overall health has to do with your mind. It's very easy to tend to your cortisol levels without testing them. And again, once again, abiding by numbers. Like stop. Go file your taxes if you want to do numbers. But stop trying to test the shit out of your body. Testing one, two, one, two, your microphone? You don't need to be testing every little thing in your body. You don't need to weigh yourself. You don't need to go on an in-body machine to know how much water is in your body. Like, who gives a fuck? I just care if my size jeans fits me. So no, don't go and test your cortisol levels unless you're having an adrenaline, an, an adrenal burnout. But most of you that are asking me that stuff, you're asking me because you recognize yourself when I declare and describe the typical woman that I meet. I used to be one of them that says, you know, I eat everything healthy. I work out five days or six days a week like a mad woman. And my midsection is still wider than I want it to be. And then I say, well, maybe it's your cortisol level. How do you eat? Is it noisy around you? How do you work out? Are you doing intervals like a chicken without a head? Are you lifting heavy weights? And then those people want to go get tested, but I feel like the test itself is cortisol rising. And then what? You have those numbers and then what? You don't even understand them. Told you, if you want to do numbers, go file your taxes. You don't like that, right? Nobody likes filing their taxes. So why are you fucking filing taxes with your body all day long? Calories, macros kilos, pounds, cortisol levels, schmortisol levels, you know, stop, relax, go have a piscine by a cafe and be French, wear a beret. It's working for them here, you know, 
these people don't worry about anything. I always look at the French people thinking, oh my God, they don't worry about anything. But they're right. They've got it figured out. And you know what? I feel like the less I worry, the more my body deflates. And it's been true for a lot of my clients. I've, I've had a lot of clients and I've had even followers that told me, you know what? Now when I go to lunch, I think of being a little bit more French. And, and you know, I, I feel not only do I feel relaxed, so it's a, it's a win-win situation, but I am losing weight. You know, I am controlling my body with my mind, with my happy mind. So yeah, don't get tested. Don't worry about your levels. Just worry about lowering them. You can lower a level without knowing what the level is. It's a good logic and it's a less cortisol rising kind of logic. So now that we've spoken cortisol, schmortisol, cellulite, schmellulite, and all of that good French jazz. Let's welcome my hubby, my love, Gilles Kenny, Gilles Delamar Kenny. So here is Gilles, my love. Hi, thank you for joining my podcast. Very happy to join your podcast. <laughs> so weird, right, to be doing this together. Super weird. I think we can have fun. Yeah, we we so. just have to be natural and show people how we interact with each other, I think. Yes. And then I can grill you about all of your girlfriends. Okay. Usual stuff for you. You mean just a couple of the ones that I had? Like about 400,000 or so. She's exag exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, everybody knows you from my Instagram. They know you're really cute and you have these beautiful blue eyes. And they know you're very handsome and you're very funny. And you put up with a lot of my shit and you're a great dad. They know all that stuff about you. But we don't speak very often about what you do for a living. Because you, except for being my husband, you're also are Which is a full-time job. Which is a full-time <laughs> job. You're also a very accomplished professional. And I'm so proud of you. And I want you to explain what you do for a living first. What do I do for a living? I, um, I, I, I have fun. I enjoy my, my job and I have been for 27 years. Uh, I opened a company seven years ago after 20 years in the film industry. So it's been 27 years total. Um, and I basically produce locally, well, locally, France, Corsica, Italy, uh, commercials and movies, international movies and music videos for international companies when they want to come and shoot here, they contact me, I put together the crews, find the equipment, casting, etc., etc., and we have fun. This is my job. I love my job and I have fun doing it. It's Shark Pride. Shark Pride, yes. Shark Pride is, is actually seven years uh, this month. Yeah, like yeah. a shark. So you bet that I'm going to be asking you, and this time you better give us the real version. But I'll be asking you why you called your company Shark Pride. So the company called Shark Pride, uh, it started with my friends, and they'll recognize themselves if they hear this podcast, uh, calling me <laughs> The Shark, uh, because I did have a couple of encounters when I was younger, up to the age of 44, maybe, 45, until I met Ingrid. You were a manslut, is what you were. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was basically called The Shark around the French Riviera, where I've been living since 1991 except my childhood when I was here also. And basically, shark, uh, we live by the Mediterranean. Um, it's a business of sharks, as you know, as many other businesses, but this one definitely is. You have to be a shark to make it uh, at the top of the line. And uh, so all those things put together, I thought, 
Well, a sharp card, and then I thought, well, somebody has had to already have reserved that domain name, and I went online, and nobody dared to, so I did. And there so it is. It's Shark Prod. But mainly, yeah. you guys should all know that the reason why his company is called Shark Prod is because he was a man slut. And I remind him. That's a little bit tough. Every day. <laughs> Actually, a retired man slut. <laughs> <laughs> retired, yes, definitely. Uh, uh, it's not called a man slut. It's just. A uh, man ho. It's just a man, that a, a man that decided that instead of. <laughs> Sticking to two or three relationships like some men do and then when they turn 45, 50, they have a wife, a couple of kids and their head go, starts to go crazy and they become a manslaw but after 50, which kind of sucks because it puts, uh, you know, it cuts all ties with their families and they get in trouble and then they... So you're well, telling us you've done it all. I'm telling you that, I'm telling you guys that I've done it all and it was better <laughs> to do it before than do it after. Today I'm stable and I don't need to... Uh, Go well anymore. I have everything I've wanted right in front of me. Yeah, you better. I do. <laughs> but before we actually speak about relationships, because my followers, as you know, are mostly women, to your delight, um, and they have questions for you, and some of them were really good questions, and I think it's really great when you do what I do and you cater to a community of women to actually have a man with you know a healthy relationship, a man who's lived through dating and you know you got married late in life you were 47 years old so it will be cool for you to answer the followers questions for sure and our audience questions so before i do that you know i have to mention your not previous career but how you started in the business because i've spoken about it before but i'm very proud of it you were an assistant a first assistant director and I want you to speak about that part of your career because it's so impressive and you're so humble. I should have made the previous episode, today's episode, like, bitch, sit down, be humble. But <laughs> that was the episode with Savannah. Yeah, exactly. But you're so humble. You never talk about it. And I think it's so worth talking about. So can you talk about your first assistant my, director job? Yeah, my first, my, my, my first experiences, I started at the, after three years university in Canada, in Toronto. I, uh, I started uh, in the film industry as a trainee assistant director on a movie called The Son of the Pink Panther, and that was in 1992 in the south of France. And then from then on, I just did a bunch of jobs around uh, the film industry, like production and location department and assistant director. And then after five years of doing all, the, all sorts of departments, I thought assistant director is really what I want to do, so I refused all other jobs which made me step up to second assistant director, which made me step up after about eight years since the beginning of first, first assistant director, which is called first AD in abbreviation. And that's when my fun life really started because I did movies, uh, I did movies like Inception, I did movies like uh, Rush Hour 3 with Jackie Chan, I did movies um, like uh, 102 Dalmatians, I did all sorts of movies, and then I did a James Bond film also with Sophie Marceau and Pierce Brosnan in Chamonix, that, that, was a, that was a trip. And then I, I ended up my career with two uh, Woody Allen films. I worked with Woody for uh, On Midnight in Paris. We had a really, really good uh, meeting and really great uh, contact. One of my favorite movies also. Yeah, it was, it was, and I wasn't crazy, but I wasn't like saying, oh my God, I have to work with this guy. But when I, the opportunity showed up, thanks to my friend Rafael, I, uh, 
I was delighted. And three years later, he came back with uh, Magic in the Moonlight in the south of France, and he uh, called me up to work with him again. So, uh, so I did, and that was another amazing experience. And that was my last uh, feature film experience as a first AD, and it was amazing. And I'm going to be the bragging wife. You got an achievement award for it, too. That, that was for, uh, for Min- Midnight in Midnight Paris. Paris. Yeah, it's, a, it's hanging dir- in our living room. Director's Guild of America, achieve, best achievement for assistant director. So that was, uh, that was nice. So, you guys, he's brilliant, super good looking. He speaks French, of course, because he has French parents like me. And he also, as you can hear, speaks English like me. Because as I was, you were uh, brought up in Miami. And you and I, nine years apart, went to the same high school and elementary schools. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we call serendipity. We've never met. We met in Monaco. So that's one of the questions. Somebody said, how did you guys meet? And let's hear your version of it. I hope it's the same one. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> no, but we got no. the question a lot. People said, like, how did you guys meet? And I think that our story is so cool because people think you have to go to all these functions or you have to do so many things. You have to look a certain way when you go out at night to meet someone. And in our case, it was like so casual, so easy, breezy that I think it's worth telling the story. No, we met, uh, we met during the day. We didn't meet at night in a nightclub, uh, half drunk or on drugs or anything like that. We met during the day, uh, afternoon, uh, by a mall and uh, by the Metropole in Monaco. And uh, we just kind of like eyes, eyes crossed, smiles showed, approaches, and we exchanged numbers. And because I was in a rush and I said, <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a coffee tomorrow. And she said, uh, okay, call me. And then... Uh, I called her. I was on a shoot with uh, Novak Djokovic for a, for a wine commercial. We were shooting in uh, on the harbor in Monaco, and uh, and I I left the shoot for an hour to go uh, meet my date. Yeah, we had our first coffee. <laughs> and we had our first coffee. Actually, I was waiting for her because I'm always on time. And by the way, she's that's so she's, not true. She's always late. <laughs> I was on I was on time, and I'm, and I, I didn't see her come. I'm like, ah, there you go. You just got stood up. And then I called her. I go, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm actually lined up in a parking, waiting for my turn to get into the parking lot. So I said, okay, which parking lot? She goes, this one. I said, okay, I'll come up and then wait with you. So I went into the parking lot. She was like the second car to go into the parking lot. And I got into a car and that was like the first real moment that we had uh, next to each other. Yeah. And then we, we went and parked the car and then we went down to the coffee place and had a coffee. And it was uh, big smiles, heartbeats, big time. And uh, I forgot I was on the shoot. <laughs> so I, by the way, she's like, after a while, she's like, don't, don't you have to go back to work? I'm like, eh, don't worry, it's all happening. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That was our first day. And uh, it was amazing. Yeah, almost the same version as mine, except you approached me. Of course, and yeah. you were in a rush to get in a date with me, but you were not in a rush that day. I'm the one who's saying we can go for a coffee or anything because yeah, I was, was waiting just, for my kids. I was letting you, letting you come towards me. <laughs> yeah, okay. you know, I was being a very polite French boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That didn't last very long. Slept <laughs> yeah, with did. you on the second date. Hey, lasted 48 hours. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's our story. We met in the mall, by the mall. And uh, yeah, crossed eyes and smiles and he came and spoke to me and usually I would tell him to go fuck himself because I hated to be approached like that. But if you guys have seen pictures or videos of Gilles, you know that he's like just irresistible. 
So. That's so sweet. Are you making fun of me? Don't <laughs> be a bitch. I'm going to retaliate when I take calls from your ex-girlfriends like yeah, okay, soon. Okay, let's go. Oh, you just spoke French. That was cute. Um, let's answer some questions first. You ready? Yeah. Maybe. Somebody said, how and when did you know Ingrid was the one? And the person who asked is Chic Little Devil. And I actually know her. I've been, I've been conversing with her on Instagram. So I thought that's a great question. A lot of people ask that question. How do you know I was the one? How and when? How and when? When? Very hard to remember because the exact date I wouldn't have because so much has happened since then. So many wonderful moments. That would be hard. <laughs> But how... Uh, How I think is when you feel basically, let, let me just state that when we met, I was single. I was, I had my 80 square meters in a tower in Monaco. I was partying five nights a week. <laughs> and so I really didn't, I really wasn't planning on getting into a relationship and never, nevertheless, even like getting married and adopt kids and all this stuff. So I was very single. I was very much having fun. And all of a sudden she came into my life and I, I, I knew she was the one when I forgot the need to go out to call friends, to go out and party and to just uh, be with her and her kids and just getting to know everybody and just spending time with them. And that's when I knew. That's a good answer. Oh, that's the answer. I thought you were going to say you knew I was the one when you saw my boobs for the first time. Oh, yeah, time. that also. But I, mean, <laughs> I can't just say that it was only the physical part. I was going to say that, but then I thought, now I'm going to hold back. But yeah, that was that's another story. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I want that to go on the uh, on the record. Uh, it's yes. on the record now. Yes, it you is. Know, you could always count on me for thank that. God, thank God, thank God, mostly women listening to your podcast. <laughs> well, you know, there could be some exes of mine listening, even though I don't have be. too many actually. Yeah. Unlike you, I haven't dated that many people, but I did date a guy that had your name, and for me, that was freaking me out because. I call you Gilles, but people call you Gil in the States. People call me everything in the States. They call me Gil, Gillies, Gile, Gillies, Giles. Yeah, because it's G-I-L. And every time I was like, okay, it's Gilles, okay? It's nothing else. So Thank you very much. So, at first I thought you were Gilles, like, you know, yeah. like the French guys, yeah. Gilles, but you're not. You're G-I-L. Yes. And when I saw your name at the very beginning, like how you spelled it, it freaked me out because I had like an ex-boyfriend, your name and uh unlike him but you know all that to say that he, that guy was an asshole and you turned out to be the one and it's so weird because it's such a like different name to have so the the coincidence was crazy but for women out there you should know that karma came around for that other asshole so that story is for another time <laughs> um <laughs> let's answer another question um Oh, that was a good one. That's one we got yesterday from Katrina. She says, when a guy claims to be shy, is it really that they are shy or are they using it as an excuse to be a coward? Um, um, well, in my case, I, I actually believe it or not. Well, you actually should believe me, really. Uh, Don't say you're shy. I have been shy. Yeah, no, I have not. When I, you were I, like I, 12? No. I, yeah. That's not what no, I heard. I and let me tell you, I heard a lot of shit about you. No, but I can be really shy. And, <laughs> but it really depends on who I have in front of me. <laughs> but it's true. No, but I'm it's like true. laughing right no, now. No, but it's true. Look, with you, I was shy for the first 10 minutes. 
No, you weren't. Yeah, I was. No, you put your hand on my leg. You were not shy. Yeah, He's not shy. Was, well, okay. Was man, I was in manhood. But I, 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 was I was shy for a while. But like, no, it's, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some, I'm sure some guys use it and, you know, just to play Mr. Nice Guy. Some, some guys use it. Some guys can actually be shy. In my case, I, I was, it really depends on who you're facing. But okay. no, to be honest with Ingrid, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I had a good feeling about the whole thing, basically. So... But I have a question. Are you bored yet? Never. But that is the first thing I told her. One of, one of the first things I, I told her, I think in the first 72 hours, one thing you have to know about me is I get bored really easily. Yeah, and I had to tell her because I was tired of getting bored. I was tired of, I was tired of just dating and getting bored and then switching to the next person. It sounds bad, but it was like that. And actually when I met her, I, I didn't think, you know, I before I met her, I thought, okay, she looks really good. She sounds really nice. Let's let's give her a chance. <laughs> but no, it's true. But you never know. You know, when I you meet somebody, you never know. It's, not, it's, it's written on nobody's forehead. And you can talk for days, months, even years. And, you know, but eventually some people get bored. Some people get bored after a month. Some people get bored after 10 years. You got bored a lot. Actually, you had that but reputation. I got bored a lot. Like after, after maybe two, three months, I would get really bored. I don't know. You need to keep your relationships spiced up. Uh, that's good because and we got takes, the question. And it takes two people. We got that question. Somebody wrote, uh, Han Payne said, you shared she got bored in past relationships. I think she saw the YouTube video that we made on the South of France vlog with Lauren where right. you were telling our story. Yeah. Um, and, and we did say, you did say, you know, I told Ingrid I get bored very fast. So she says, how do you two keep things interesting? And I think it's a good question for us because if people are following my stories, they know we keep it like so fun and interesting. But I don't even think we put so much effort into it. It's just us. Like no, me, I'm crazy. So Well, we're both crazy. But me more than you. No. No, you know that too. Come on. <laughs> no you know you're not more crazy. You would like your listeners to believe you're crazy, but they haven't met me yet. Okay. Come on. You need No, basically you I think you need both people to be to have this craziness, to have this uh, energy. First of all, you need to have energy. I'm going to be 50, but I don't sit on an armchair with my newspaper in the morning <laughs> for five hours with my wife going, darling, honey, what are we going to do? <laughs> well, we're not going to do anything. I'm tired from my week. I'm not like that. No like, way. Even if I'm tired, I still, I still pretend, you know, I still have the energy to always do things. I do sports. She does sports. We like to go out. We like to go out on dates. We go out on dates. It's been three years. We go out on dates. Like if it was a... The first time uh, we go out with the kids, we don't go out with the kids. We're always doing something. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's the secret is always, it, even when, when we stay home, we have fun. You know, we have fun all the time. We can giggle around the house. We can giggle <laughs> around in the kitchen. We can giggle in the middle of the night when we wake up. Like she'll wake up. I feel that she's woken up. So I open my eyes and she's up and I look at her and I say something and we'll just start laughing. And it's like three in the morning. I'm like, why are we laughing? We're supposed to be sleeping. So it's true. It's just it's like that. We have this we have this twenty four hour connection, and we're always like you know if I say let's do this, and she'll be like okay that sounds good. Or she'll say let's do this, and I'll be so we're always on the same level on basically everything. We're, we're super lucky on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so on that point. you know what? A lot of women. And the demography of the people that follow me, the women that follow me are women that need that second chance to come around. Like it's divorce has become such a common thing nowadays. So they know that I've lived it and 
I was married for a long, long time, but my relationship was not a happy relationship. And today, you know, I get along with Joe now, who's my ex-husband, even though, you know, he, uh, he, he was not a good husband to me. Yeah, and also you told uh, me that you, you didn't used to do much. That's the thing. I think that, you know, I went in getting married, like I was 17 years old when I met him and I went in getting married. I did the whole, you know, very conservative Jewish thing of getting married. And, you know, and of course I love them, but... I went in thinking like my mother and, you know, all these older people in our lives tell us like, oh yeah, marriage is work, marriage is a compromise, you need to be compromising and this and that. And I now from the relationship that I have with you, I realized that it's not a compromise at all. It's actually so easy breezy with you. It's, I don't feel like I have to work so hard at making it work at all, you know? Yes. So the advice I always give because of that is that I feel that don't cut yourself short. Find someone that the relationship isn't work or a compromise with. Like with you, I really don't feel like no, I need to compromise. No, but it has to be natural. It has to be a... You can't force yourself to... You know, a lot of people in the beginning of the relationship, they force themselves to make the other one happy, to make the relationship work. But you know, if, if it works like that, then what are you going to do? You're going to push yourself for the next 20 years? Because that's years. what our parents taught yeah, us. But yeah, but our parents lived a different era. Our parents didn't have the, uh, the easiness of doing things, of traveling, of communicating. Of, they didn't have access to so many things. Back then, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that old. <laughs> they weren't that Your old. But I mean, you know, back then, they, you know, they didn't have... Uh, there's a lot of things that they didn't have today. We can like hop on a plane very easily. Yeah, you need a little bit of money, but if you're smart, you can actually, you know, go even, you know, if you don't have that much money, you can still plan a trip and you can move around easily than our parents did when they were 20, 30. You know, it was, it was much tougher for them. Uh, the salaries weren't as big. Uh, the, uh, the, the travels were expensive. It was a lot more difficult. And it's not only about traveling, it's about going out, it's about... We, we, have, we have so many options, but it's also wanting to go out. It's yeah, also it's wanting, to, wanting do to do things. Some people, they don't want to do anything. They work all, all, they work all day. They work nine hours. They come home. Oh, I'm tired. Well, you know, in my industry, I, my, my minimum day is about 12 hours. And when I work 12 hours, I'm happy. It's usually more around 14, 15, 16 hours. So, and I never come home going, I'm tired. I'm coming home and, you know, Ingrid's make dinner. We spend two a time with the kids and we talk and you know if I come home and I'm tired every night the relationship is going to go nowhere so you have to so push true. yourself and make efforts daily monthly yearly all the so time so I agree with that like you have to put work as far as you know um, enjoying each other and going out but what I was saying was that the relationship itself, like as far as being compatible, should not be a compromise. Be People always said like, oh yeah, opposites attract. And I don't agree because you're absolutely not my opposite at all. Except that you like that weird water and I hate it. Uh, that, that was when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not weird. It's a, it's a water full of magnesium. And Disgusting. she was like, what are you drinking? <laughs> so I was drinking it for a couple more months, but eventually when we moved in together, she like, I'm not having that water in my house. 
<laughs> and the kids hated it. The kids made fun of it also. We call it word order. Word no, order. but we do. We're very compatible. Yeah, and yeah. so if we can give advice to anybody looking for a second chance at love or even a first chance at love, I would say that's the advice I, I give to my daughter. It's like really fall in love and fall in love not out of desperation and fear of being alone. Fall in love with someone that's very compatible to you. It's so easy, even with... Like now, I'm, you know I don't diet. And I think that's part of what you like about me. Like I'm wow. so easygoing when we yeah. go out and stuff. But the fact that we're so compatible with food, even at what we like, yeah. makes it so easy when we go to the restaurant. Like when we went to Capri, I told you, I want to start sharing pasta as an appetizer, antipasti, to, you know, make sure that I don't eat too much. And so I can enjoy everything I like, but eat smaller portions. Mm. And the fact that you and I like exactly the same stuff. We yeah, like the same I like pasta. Fish and you don't. Well, I like seafood, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't like white fish as much. But other than that, we're very compatible no, with all the food. Compatible. So even, okay, you can have a few differences like this yeah. stuff that you like tennis. I don't love tennis. Yeah. But other than that, we have a lot of compatibility. There are people, and that's how it was with my ex-husband, where we were literally opposites in everything. So yeah, you have to prove that you really love the person because you're constantly compromising for shit that you don't like. Yeah. You know? And by the way, sex is really important. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, I said when we talk about sex, yeah. sex is super important. Sex, I mean, let you know, I'm not gonna get too much into it, but even though I could, but it's really important. You have to be. I mean, that's not something you choose. You meet somebody, you never know what it's gonna be like. You can have an idea, but you don't know until you try. But if you're not compatible, I don't least, think it's something you can work on either. No, you can't work on it, but you know? but you don't know. You don't know until... You don't know. You, you That's why I slept tried. with you like on the second yeah, day. She wanted, she wanted to know, by the way. I wanted to know. I was like, like yeah. I'm not going to waste any more time. Like, he's cute and everything, but you know what? I'm, I'm not a virgin. That ship but I sailed. you know, so when people say, yeah, sex, you know, whatever, it's bullshit. Super sex important. is super important. If you're not physically attracted to the person you're planning on uh, spending the rest of your life with, well, you know what? Even if she has qualities, it's not worth it. Right? Even if he has qualities, it's not worth it because eventually, what are you going to do? It's true. Once you've gone to movies 20 times a week, <laughs> you get bored. So, no, sex so is part of life. Whatever anybody says, I don't believe that it's not part of life. And it is really important. But we even teach it to the kids. Like, yeah, even to make Savannah very comfortable with her body. Yeah. And now when we talk to her about relationships, I always tell her, I tell her, I want you to be attracted to the person you're with. I don't want you to be driven by, you know, um, the, the, the social standing of that person. If he has money, if he's going to take you here or there or get you this ring or that ring. I want you to look at so many other things first. You know, because today, I mean, I teach my daughter that she has to become successful on her own. She's not, not going to need a guy to support her necessarily. So she has the freedom of looking at other things than just the money that's in his pocket or at, you know, the social aspects of the relationship. And if it's looking good to the outside world, it has to be good behind closed doors. It has to, has to, has to. And I really think that, you know, our relationship, we met, we were older. I mean, I was... 36 when we met 37 I think no yeah you were at least 37 I was 37 yeah 41. I was yeah. 37 when we met and you were 40 what 46 I was uh, 46. Yeah, 46 yeah. and you know I mean we were already at that time where we had no time to waste you tried you tried relationships a lot. You, yeah, you were a man hole. Yeah, we know that. Okay, you were a slut for a while. But you also tried serious relationships. Yeah. And like me, you feel like you settled a lot. Like you settled. Yeah, I did. I did. And, 
Well, when you think you're not going to find any better, sometimes you settle. Yeah. And, uh, and luckily that settlement gets broken because there's a natural justice in life. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually you find, uh, you really find, I mean, not everybody finds the right person. Can we talk you... about the psychopath that used to send you like 150 oh emails a day till yeah. I sent her a season disease letter? Yeah, when I'm at Ingrid, I, I split up with this girl. That, don't that say names. We don't, we don't, names. we don't shame. She, uh, we, I, I'd actually, I'd met her years back with her husband. She had divorced and whatever. And uh, we had met, we dated for like a couple of months. But when I, when, I, when I split up, she made my life hell. Like, she didn't want to split up. She made me believe that she was pregnant. Uh, <laughs> she, like, harassed me. Like, when I say harassed me, it's basically I would turn off my phone at 8 p.m. And when I would turn it back on at 7 a.m., I would have 156 text messages and 45 emails. Uh, how do I say this? It really broke my, you know what? So you can, by the way, you luckily, can say fucking both. Yeah, I know. But anyway, I saved up everything. And when I showed Ingrid, she was like, what the who fuck? the like, fuck is this like, bitch how did, how did how do people like that exist so ingrid with her law degree i'm like mom maybe you can write her a little letter so she definitely wrote her a letter like of like if you don't lay off i'm gonna get you in, it was like, a season disease like yeah. a lawyer's letter but yeah. it was crazy like she was really really but nuts. she stopped right after the letter she really she, she definitely was, stopped and what's crazy is that savannah was in her daughter's school for yeah, a while yeah so that was hilarious you i, I used to get we have to say because People, somebody asked here, and I think that's a great subject. Let me find the question again. Um, she said, uh, how do you deal with jealousy? So with us, there was no jealousy, but having to deal with your past for me was difficult because I came from a past where I've been married most of my life and yeah. had very few exes but you had a lot of exes and I find that women in, in breakups are a lot crazier and more vile. So when I met you, even though you were single, which I couldn't believe it. At first, I thought you were married or the previous guy was married and was fucking lying to me about divorcing his wife. But that's another story. His name was Gil, that fucking asshole. I heard his wife actually cheated on him with her coach in the end. So that's really funny. But whatever, yeah, come as a fucking bitch. <laughs> Anyways, um, so when I met you, I felt like you were so good, too good to be true. Maybe you were lying to me. You were married somewhere in Switzerland or something like that because that's very no. common in Monaco. It happens. Yeah. Uh, but you weren't. But I had to deal with like getting anonymous uh, phone calls and messages from some of your exes saying all types of shit about you and saying that, you know, I shouldn't let my kids close to you because you like get the kids attached and then you leave and you cheat and you know so I used to get all these messages and the first year in even though I'm I'm not a jealous person so we didn't have to deal with jealousy I had to deal with a little bit of that and that was not fun yeah you know yeah. but we dealt with it with um we dealt with it with a lot of honesty and I think that's that's what what helped us get through that because at the beginning you you know you you have a lot of adversity especially when people see you happy all these exes that are around and all the the shoulda coulda woulda people like the ones that wanted to be with you or thought they were with you because i had girls that said they were with you and you told me they'd never been yeah, she, she was getting messages i didn't even know about she would tell me like oh guess what today i got this uh, yesterday i got that and i'd be like but it was it was actually exciting for me to know that she could take care of it. Oh, <laughs> it I was, took care of it, all right. <laughs> it was really nice. I fucking took care of those motherfucker <laughs> bitches, pieces of shit. I hope they're listening, all of them. <laughs> Bye, bitches. Like, rest in peace. 
Anyways, no, it was it, it, it's it's exciting to have uh, the person that you're perfect with, uh, to know that she's uh, dealing with all your past. It's uh, kind of nice. I mean, I didn't even know uh, that she had to deal with them until she told me, because they wouldn't even write me; they would write her directly. Like she would get text messages, emails, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> she she sorted everything out, and um, me no on my side, I didn't really have much to deal with just assholes you know on a daily basis when we go to a restaurant or or bar you know like i remember one day we were having lunch in nice and uh at a friend's place and we're sitting and there's this guy single like alone sitting on the next table and basically he's sitting next to me so i don't see I, i'm not looking at him i'm looking at ingrid while we're talking and also she's talking to me and she's and she goes stop and i go what and she looks over at the guy she goes I'm sitting here with my husband having a nice lunch. Will you like stop staring at me? Because it's really aggravating. And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't even notice. The guy is like actually smiling at my wife while she's talking to me. Some people are really on a suicide mission because <laughs> if I had been in a really bad mood, I would have just pounded the shit out of him. But, you know. I'm but another, I embarrassed him instead. But she embarrassed him instead, which, which actually can hurt a lot more. I taught him some good so, French manners. Yeah, exactly. That was funny. But yeah, so dealing with jealousy, it's not really jealousy, but I think for me, when those messages would make me insecure because it was the beginning of our relationship, I would come to you and I loved your honesty about it. Like you never acted like you got caught in something. You were just like, yeah, that's someone I've been with and this is what happened. And you were a little bit unapologetic about it, but I could see that you had good conscience. And I think that the problem comes when you go to a guy and you say, okay, I got this message or I stole this message and the guy tries to hide it. Yeah, tries to get out of it. But you didn't, even when I hacked your you know, your iCloud, <laughs> you, you were like, you were, you were confident about it. You were like, okay, she's inside my life and inside my phone and my, and you well, were, you were good with to, it. It's the only way to be is to be transparent. And that way, you know what, you won't, you won't have to worry about anything or try to remember where you lied or where you cheated. But actually, the fact it's that I good. can hack you anywhere, anything, anytime was a turn on for yeah, you. But I think I th- no, it's a turn on. Yes. But even though, <laughs> if you know you're with the right person, you don't care. There's no point. I, I, you know what? And I think that that's, that's what it's about. Like if a guy is going to be secretive or if there's going to be jealousy that he cannot soothe for you, then you're definitely not with the right guy. If there's no trust, there's no relationship. Absolutely. I agree. Um, we'll take one more question, I think. Um, somebody asked... Hold on one second. Let me find it. I like that one. That one was good for you because you weren't very monogamous before. And this girl, beautiful girl, I can see, I am Jessie, asked, what made, what made you monogamous? Is monogamy realistic in 2018? Yeah, That's I think, I think uh, it goes back to what we've been saying, but I think uh, if you know you were the right person, I mean, for the first time, and I can, I can really say it, and uh, too bad for the people listening, <laughs> whoever they are. Oh, you know, all of those bitches are listening, baby. <laughs> but, but honestly, if you know that the person you're with is a person you're going to want to spend the rest of your life with, and I really think, I, didn't, I never thought you would know this, but actually now I know, uh, you know, it comes to a point where usually when people are in relationships, you know, they tend to look left and right, you know. There's always this, this motto saying you can look but not touch, but that's bullshit. Mm. If you look, it's because you want to touch. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with Ingrid, we share. Like, I look at a girl and I say, look, she's, she's, she's really nice. You know, she could 
be this and that, you know, we, we just opened a modeling agency. And you I'm know, like, so, yeah, she's got a banging so, body. So, I love so it. we share that. But today I can honestly say, I don't look going, oh, you know, I, I would love to have my time with her. It, it, and it used to be, I used to be like that. I used to always have that little escape exit in my head mm-hmm. going, well, you know, that doesn't work. Maybe in a couple of months, you know, I could go with her, you know? I- okay. So let me stop you there to the motherfucking bitch that went to your grandmother and showed her my criminal record. Take that bitch. He was looking somewhere <laughs> else when he was with you. Fuck you. <laughs> Goodbye. Rest in peace. <laughs> okay. I get carried away when yeah. it comes to your 400,000. But there weren't 400,000. That's physically impossible excuse me everywhere we go there's an ex of yours we went to koya the other night there was your ex there was that, that yeah but that there's, ex. there's ex and ex huh? you know there's ex like uh, a oh no 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 there's like a couple of nice flirt or flirt no 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 in english it's called you know <laughs> fucking so it's called it's not called a okay, flirt. flirt plus you know <laughs> Flirt is like in the movies, like Casablanca uh, and Gone with the Wind. Okay, yeah, that's a flirt. Like that, yeah, know? it used to be, but not for you, not at all. First of all. Anyways, yeah, no, there, there, there was a, there's been a few, a lot, but I like can't. Four hundred thousand. I, I honestly couldn't. And say. so. I honestly couldn't say. Can't remember. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's been you a while. Stop counting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a point where you stop counting. But I think monogamy is possible. Definitely. No, I think it's possible. I think. Uh, but it's become more difficult for sure. But it's it's become difficult more of a because challenge. we live in a world of temptation, to, and it's too easy. Facebook uh, it's and too Instagram easy. and. The... I mean, there's there are dating sites and there are non-dating sites, but uh, seriously, the non-dating sites can be dating sites. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, hey, I'm on Facebook. I'm not dating. Yeah, you want to see like go into people's <laughs> messages on their Facebook and tell me they're not dating. Bullshit. You know, you don't have to go on Tinder or on, so or on, uh, in France, it's a little thing called Mythique. You don't have to go on the things to be dating. <laughs> you, can, you can go on fucking LinkedIn, professional website. <laughs> so I would love to have a work appointment with you. You yeah. know, I love your blonde hair and I love I your know, blue eyes. And, uh, no, and, 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 and I used to work in that field, but I stopped. Bullshit. So, you know, you can... There are, there are really temptations. Internet is easy. I think it goes uh, back also, like you said, to have a really good sex life. Like, uh, you know, there's so many people that that after a while, the spark is gone a little bit. They are tired. They, uh, you know, they, they have sex a lot less. And I think that's wrong. I think you you should worry the minute that you start having less sex. I mean, of course, unless... You're going through, you know, having a baby that takes a little while for things to come back or, but well, anyway, you know, your partner, so you, you know, you know, if it's that or if it's something else, but, uh, I, you know, speaking to, about us, we're like, we're super lucky that after, after more than three years, mm-hmm. we're like, we were, like I said, we can have dates as if it was like right in the beginning. But and we uh, work for it. Like I, I still look good for you. Yeah, I of don't, course we work for you know, it. We, I, do, we do sports. We want to look good for each other, other. which is true. But uh, also the wanting of having sex is, is another thing. And uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, they kind of tend to forget after all. Somebody asked Madame Zen, she asked, has she ever been married before? No. Never. Never. Never got to that point. Lucky me. That's nice. No kids either. 
You no. haven't had kids. No. Or at least you don't think so. No, I know so. <laughs> Even though one girl tried to make me believe I had her kid. Oh Remember my gosh, her name was her Ingrid. Name was Ingrid. <laughs> her name was Ingrid. She tried. She made me believe that she was pregnant. Um, ten years before something. Ten no? years before, and 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 I said, and I said that's that's impossible. It was like that was like an afternoon fuck flirt. It lasted one afternoon, and that's all it was. Oh, uh, that's all it takes, babe. Yeah, I know that's usually what it takes, but yeah, and I was like, "Are you sure? Seriously?" Anyway, for ten years, she made me believe. A couple of years, like around seven or eight years later, she like she's like, "Yeah, your daughter wants to meet her dad." Na 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 na. So I went and met her because I was a nice guy, and I thought, okay, I felt bad, I felt guilty, uh, I thought I can't be an asshole. So but I long story to go meet this short, girl. long story short, the girl. I, I said, you know, I would love to do a DNA just to be sure. It's not like I don't trust you, but I want to do a DNA. Guess what? DNA turned out negative twice. <laughs> Two laboratories from Canada. Thing turned out negative. And it ended up that the father of the girl was the father of her eldest uh, daughter that she already had with another guy. So she had two daughters and this, that father saw his, this other girl for nine years, not knowing it was her kid. Yeah, some some women are really conniving. I don't know how you've ha you have a few stories of women yeah, I, that I made have, you believe they yeah, were pregnant. I have a, yeah, I have a good stories. Well, speaking <laughs> about kids, somebody asked Madame Zen again: Are more kids in the cards for you? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, besides the fact that I'm adopting Ingrid's three wonderful children, we are in the process of uh having a baby yes so i've as as you guys know if you followed me and you know my story i've had since i'm with Gilles, we've been trying to have a baby uh, and sometimes we weren't trying but it still happened and i got pregnant and then i had about six miscarriages yeah. um the latest one was in june and it's always heartbreaking for us because we still don't know what's wrong but and apparently not, nothing's but wrong nothing is wrong so, so I had to take a little break for my body to recover and, you know, I, I just, I wanted to not make a whole relationship about the baby, you know, issue and uh, stay connected just through love rather than, you know, having to be connected only by the fact that we're trying to have a baby. And it's also very hard on the kids each time we have these miscarriages, they, they get crushed each time. But uh, we are going another route now and we're trying you know, to get me healthy so we can try again. We're going to try again. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. Soon, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> but yes, we're hoping to have a baby. Yeah. For sure. Um, somebody said, should you, Shrazi said, should you take a guy back if he cheats? Well, if, no. if that was a question to me, I would say no. If you, no. If you cheat once, you cheat twice, and it breaks the... Uh, the trust in the relationship and I think somebody if you lose your, your trust you can never go back I mean we're adults we're not 15 20 year olds you know I don't even know um, but I think uh, if you lie if you I fight with the kids about not lying not cheating it's so important not to lie not to cheat and if you lie to the person you're with I, you lie to yourself you, you lie to yourself you can't you can't live and and make plans make a lifetime plan with somebody that has lied to you i think cheats. that when you somebody cheats on you um you something inside of you gets shattered and for me you you've given me so much confidence i used to wear so much makeup before i met you i, I think it's important makeup. i know you hate makeup <laughs> but you, you these women i think you would prefer they wear makeup when yeah, they go course. out than yeah, others yeah. you've told me that 
some some of your exes you preferred they actually got more yeah, put together when they went out but what i'm trying to say is when you cheat on a woman let's say it's the man that's cheating on a woman he shatters something inside of her which he's supposed to be the opposite of that you became that mirror on the wall that showed me a version of myself that I never saw before. I wear less makeup than before. I put I take a lot less time to put myself together. I started to wear flats where I always wore high heels because I wanted to be taller. You gave me so much confidence. You've built me up so much on the inside as far as my confidence. And I do think that's what a husband or a significant other is supposed yeah. to do for a woman. So if he cheat on her, if he cheats on her, he, he shatters yeah. that inside. He mm. breaks her. And how do you go back to that mirror that has a chip on it or, you know... <clears throat> It, where it's half broken you're always gonna look at i think a reflection of yourself in this cheater's eyes and it's a distorted reflection of yourself so no i don't think you should go back to someone who cheated on you also, i don't care if, if he's the father of your kids if either. you give somebody a second chance then that person will be like hey perfect i did it once i can do it again she look, gave me a chance. but you know what there's something that's broken forever if you look at the guy i was with and like, I don't give a fuck about exposing him because him and his wife or now ex-wife played a number on me. Their relationship was so fucked up. He made me believe that he, him and her were broken up, that he was sleeping in a separate room, couldn't leave the house yet, this and that. So I was with him and then she found out about our affair, which I didn't even really know was an affair because he told me he, wasn't, he was getting divorced and going through the whole motion of a divorce, which was not true. Uh, and then when she found out, he told her that I was harassing him. So she pressed charges against me. Like, okay, so that didn't stick. That's stupid. But look at their relationship. They went back together and everybody in our community that was back in New York was like, this is so fucked up. He cheated on her. He cheats on her with Ingrid. Makes Ingrid believe he's leaving his wife. He was never leaving his wife to start with. Then they get back together. They buy a very expensive home, stay together. And they want to make believe everything is honky-dory. And then last year, my best friend Valerie calls me from New York. Because I, you know, I have my best friends there. And she's like, guess what? Karma finally came knocking. <laughs> she cheated on him with her fitness coach. And now they're having a super nasty divorce. So, you know, it goes to show you that even, even though that couple went back and tried to make it work, I don't think that you can make it work. You know, when people cheat like that. No, I don't think so either. I think once it's dead, it's dead. So before I let you go, because I've had you on for like 25 minutes. Is that, is that a good time? Or? Yeah, it's pretty you good. Know, we could speak for hours. We could speak for you know, hours. We want to save for next time. Yeah, there there we'll, will be other points. We'll have podcast. you on the podcast yeah, again. Course. I think that, uh, first of all, we need to be listening to a listener's message. And yes. uh-oh for you. This one's Korean. Hi, my name is Misa. I'm Korean. Jill and I were lovers for three months, actually exactly nine and a half weeks. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help it. Well, I loved your uh, podcast number three with Savannah. She is just a natural and Savannah has to sing. I mean, she has to sing. I'm looking forward to the podcast number four. Over. You forgot to say over at the end. Bye. 
So that was Elena. That was so funny. I was like, uh, who's that? <laughs> but Ingrid, Ingrid knew who it was. I knew who it was, but you probably were like, oh gosh, I, I don't like, remember so, that one. On, what year was that in? <laughs> That was really funny. That was, that was really funny. The voice and all this stuff, it sounded like some, uh, some like porn advert <laughs> from, from the 1980s or something. Elena, you're badass. That's why she's my friend. Elena, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> that was really funny. That was really good. One last thing I want to talk to you about, and I think it's super important. I actually posted uh, something yesterday and it resonated with so many girls and women And I think it's important we talk about that. I feel like today, girls and women are getting skinny for other women. Ugh. And they're getting <laughs> very, very skinny. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to you about it because I know how you feel about it. And I, like, I know like there's all these GQ magazines and Maxim magazine for men. And when you look at the women in these magazines that are targeting men as readers... Women are beautiful. They're voluptuous sometimes, they, but they're not so skinny and so, you know, like sick and thin. So I want to know what's a gorgeous body to you. Well, put it, it's very simple. Uh, having worked in the advertising industry for a long, long time, I've, I've done a lot of shoots with a lot of models and most of the models, they all look the same. They're all skinny, no boobs. Uh, yeah, they look they look okay with clothes because they fit into anything and they make them fit into anything, but they're not. It's not nice. It's uh, you see bones, you see, and the problem is that the uh, today the world is like the 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 fashion world is pushing those girls. They're all like a, it's like a stereotype. Except for Victoria's Secret. Except I was getting there. Their Except, models look healthy. Exactly for me, that's a healthy model. Is Victoria's Secret? They have shapes. They do sports, they have thighs, they have boobs, they have uh, shoulders, they, they look like they're healthy, they look like uh, they're, they're eating, you know, I, I've, I've met some models and I spoke with them, I'm like, how do you get so skinny? Well, I eat once a day, uh, they don't do any sports, they, they have a very unhealthy life, I don't find that attractive, everybody has their own types, but I find a woman, like the women in the 60s and 70s, they had shapes, they were... I'm not talking about being too voluptuous either, um, but have... Uh, look healthy. Look like, look, look look like healthy. you're eating. Look like you're eating. Look like you're enjoying life. Not look like you were, you know, when you take out a girl to a restaurant and she's like super skinny and she's going to eat like two leaves of salads and one tomato and no dessert and like the water from who knows where. <laughs> It's not fun. You know, I go out with Ingrid. We, we eat. We eat. We have fun. The next day we do some sports. The next day we're careful because, well, especially me, I have to be more careful than her. Like if I eat really well one day, then I gotta like be careful for the next three days <laughs> so I don't get overweight. Because like, like we said before, we wanna we wanna look good for each other, so you have to be careful. But a woman, she looks better if she eats a little bit if and if happy. she has a little bit. You know, you can see it on a woman's face if she's happy with herself, with her weight, with the way she looks. But skinny girls. Honestly, in general, it's not attractive. Too skinny girls, it's not yeah. Attractive. Like too, yeah. too skinny girls. It's like not attractive. you don't want to be the girl that someone just wants to give you a sandwich. No. Definitely not. No. So, and I think that that's the right message. I feel like women today they're getting skinny for Instagram. They're getting skinny for other women, uh, and it's the same with dressing. I noticed that 
you prefer me in my little black dress than if I start elaborating with heavy prints and lots yeah, of jewelry yeah. or lots of accessories. And I've totally minimized the day that I started dressing for you rather than dressing and accessorizing for other women's like eyes. I became a lot simpler and a but lot you become a sexier. Lot simpler in three yeah, years. It's I've become a lot simpler but because, and uh, sexier for sure. Because I dress uh, well, for you yeah, rather than dressing and also for a other woman women. Should be naturally beautiful. She shouldn't have to do. But that's the so thing, much. though. You know, some some women they have the perfect shape, but on uh, on their photos they're gonna Photoshop them to have that thin waist to look like I don't know who. Exactly. It's, it's stupid. And, Why? Just and the thing yourself. is, the truth is, you know what? It's to impress other women because guys don't like that. And that's what I, was, I wanted to get from you. Guys don't like that. So this, this photoshopping of the waist, super I, thin I waist, like And, and by the way, girls, women. we see when you photoshop. Like <laughs> when the sea all of a sudden is on two levels, okay, in the background, like, you know, there's a wave and it's broken in half. And, and the wall behind you, you is have like... To, not just look at your waist that you're thinning, but look at what goes around. And like, you know, the steps or a house, all of a sudden the house is broken in half. Excuse me. So stop Photoshopping. It's, you know, we, we know when you Photoshop and, it, and it's not worth it because eventually we have you in front of us and we know what you look like, you know, so... Well, that's not always the truth for Instagram. But I think you're talking to those girls that go on the dating sites and stuff yeah, or the girls that you no, meet but, on Facebook. Yeah, and but then in general, even that. you, you see people that Photoshop them all I do. the time but and, you know, and you laugh about okay, it. I laugh about it when it's a professional that's trying to sell me exactly, diet yes. or a professional that's trying to sell me a supplement and they're literally crooks because they're photoshopping. So you're selling me your product to lose weight, but you're photoshopping your waist and your kitchen counter behind you is all distorted. But when it's a girl like my daughter, I, Savannah doesn't photoshop. I, I've really instilled in her that, you know, it's not loving yourself to do this. But when we see young women like our daughter or young women that don't sell anything and they're just doing it to look okay on Instagram, that actually makes me feel sad because I don't know who the motherfucking bitch that set up those norms is, but whoever this bitch is, she's probably on Adderall and she's probably an asshole. So don't follow those norms of having to be so, so thin because it's not for the guys, it's for the girls. You're, you're doing it for other women. I think we need to start looking good for men rather than looking good for women. Yeah, stop you know? caring what stop caring about what other people think. Also, other women think for yeah. sure. Yeah, people in general, you know? but yeah. women, yeah. But I mean, that's such a cliche, no, to say I've, that. I've never walked around thinking, caring what other people think. They can think whatever they want. Yeah, we know that. It doesn't stop me from living. <laughs> Thank you very we much. We know that. <laughs> We've noticed that, obviously. That's why you didn't care when you found out all about my past. Actually, I think you got a heart on it for the first date when I told you about it. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed your past and I still enjoy you it. You like my dangerous past, And I'm don't proud you? of your past. I'm a gangsta. And I'm proud of your past. Thank you, baby. You're, You're the best. You're super supportive. I'm very, very, very lucky even that you agreed to come and play hooky with me on my podcast. It was fun. Um, I hope everybody will love it. I hope it. you invite me again soon, huh? Oh, let's see what all the girls think. Let's see what they think. <laughs> but thank you for coming on the podcast. And, uh, it's a pleasure. You, you will come back for sure. I'm sure you'll get some questions. Maybe eventually you'll become a superstar and have your own podcast. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Bye, my love. Bye. I owe a shout out before I go to one of my followers, now client and friend, Sylvia. 
Sylvia is an accountant. Isn't that funny? We laugh about this all the time. She laughed at my, at my line that I'm becoming well-known for about calories. Like if I wanted to count shit up, I'd be an accountant. And the irony behind all of this is that my mom is a forensic accountant. She's now retired. She's almost eight years old, but she's a forensic accountant. And I hate numbers. I always have. So Sylvia, who's in Canada, started the virtual platform a few months ago, and she has lost 40 pounds. But not only that, Sylvia has, she has broken all the rules of weight loss without dieting. And I am so happy about that. She's tried every diet. She's in her lifetime. She has gained and lost and gained again a hundred pounds altogether. She's tried every diet. She hates the gym. So when she came to me, she said, I absolutely hate working out. And my back hurts when I work out and my knees hurt. And I said to her, look, the virtual platform is going to launch. It was launching at that time. And why don't you give it a try? And if you don't like it, I promise you get your money back. But I do think I can do something for your mind, for your mindset and your mental health, because it wasn't really good at the time. She was really depressed by her weight gain and she was coming out of a very bad breakup with a fucking asshole. I'm glad she got rid of that jerk, bringing her cortisol level high. Um, but she, the first step that she took was super brave and she hasn't stopped being brave since being brave since. Um, and then she went on this journey. She, she was my, I think she was one of my first subscribers. She was waiting for the platform. And when I launched it, she was the first one on there. And within a few weeks, I got a message from her and she said, I lost 10 pounds. Yay. And she said that she was, all of the sudden feeling upbeat and her parents were so thrilled because she was coming off of her depression meds and she was saying it was all thanks to me and the method but Sylvia if you are listening it's all thanks to you doing this on your own because the virtual platform even if I talk to you on a daily basis but that's Instagram and I interact with you for a few minutes and you're so not needy. It's like a short conversation. Everything else you have done was so brave to work out when you're someone who hates working out, to follow something, you know, on a virtual platform and turn on that TV or that computer and doing your thing and then getting out of your comfort zone and stopping dieting. And rather go with my philosophy and stopping, you know, your meds. Wow. And the results are incredible on her body. I've got the pictures. I'm waiting for her to let me share them because she looks amazing and she's not done. She's on an incredible journey to like totally, totally become a gorgeous version of an even more gorgeous version of herself because she's she's gorgeous you guys have probably seen her on my instagram i've shared her picture a few times gorgeous girl inside and out and i'll even forgive her for being an accountant but i told her the only numbers you're going to be counting from now on are the ones at work and she's no longer counting calories and most importantly her transformation mentally is amazing so sylvia 
if you are listening, this shout out is for you. You are my labor of love. More than a success story, you make me happy. You are beautiful and you are showing me that the method was worth creating for people like you. And yes, I forgive you for being an accountant. Fucking hate numbers. But I love you. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, if you want to get in Yulin, I spoke about it in the episode today. Again, you can find it on our website. I'm going to put the link on the show notes. I can't thank my hubby enough for being on the podcast and indulging me with all of my craziness and silliness and with some of your amazing questions. I think he did great. I'm so, so proud of him. Um, if you want to work out on the virtual platform like Sylvia, you can do so. You have access to two videos at all times. When one vanishes, it is replaced by a new release. And then there's a basic one that's always there. You can buy the equipment on the website, themethodmc.com. And I will post also the link on the show notes. You have the alternative equipment, which is a more affordable version of our original equipment um, that you can use. If you aren't sure, you just want to dive in all the way and, you know, make the leap into the expense of our original one. Or you can get the original one and jump right in and do the virtual platform with me. And of course, you can always send me your suggestions, your questions, your constructive criticism on Instagram via private message. On that note, I wish you a wonderful day. Bonne journée from Monaco. Bisous.